our study here on Bible lists. And I decided last couple of times we were talking about heaven. Um, and, and by the way, next week, uh, the Rayshards will be back with us for the evening service, giving an update. And I believe that's, yeah, it's the last Sunday in August. And they're going to be giving an update, maybe showing a little bit of a video. They have about a half hour uh, video presentation. So we'll have more to announce on that um, over the next couple of days. But I think next Sunday night, that's what we're going to do. And, and they may bring popcorn, so just so you know uh, in that. But anyways, uh, I forgot to make that announcement uh, this morning. But Bible lists, that's where we're at tonight in our study. And we're looking at uh, facts about angels. And there's in Wilmington's uh, lists of Bible, you know, Bible lists or whatever you call it. Um, and I think... Yvette had the book there last week, that little book. See, she knows where I'm going to go with this tonight, mostly. I do have a couple extra references uh, squeezed in there. But uh, he's got a whole section on different categories of topics with angels. And the one he starts off with is this one on 27 facts about angels. And some of them will overlap a little bit, but uh, I want to go down through those and um, I, I wondered how this would be received. I had a couple of you come up to me uh, over the last couple studies and say, hey, that's fun, you know, to go down these lists. Um, if you get tired of it, tell me too, you know, we'll, we'll uh, move on to something else. But I like this, and it kind of covers uh, the, the various topics that way. So before we begin, let's just have a word of prayer. Lord, we are grateful for the Word of God. Thank you for how you've revealed yourself to us and your creation and and how man was created, and angels, and, and everything, O oh Lord. And we thank you that you have given us your will, and the way you are, and the way we are, how we need you, O oh Lord, as our Savior. And even tonight, as we take on this study, I pray that, God, you, first and foremost, would get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible talks about angels, uh, it's listed 273 times in 34 biblical books. That's quite a bit. I didn't take time to count all those references, but um, there is a fair amount of revelation given in regard to angels, at least in, in, in an overview kind of way. We'll look at those. We don't have necessarily all the information about angels, and I don't think we will, until someday when we're in glory and we see these created beings as they are. Um, and, and prior to that, we may have some interaction, uh, although I don't think that that's what we're called to go looking for. But we'll talk some more about that as we go on. But we know this, that of the way the Bible lays things out, that angels were created by God. They, they are not eternal. They are not um, part of you know being God and and by the way angels are distinct in the creation of God distinct from mankind and contrary to a lot of people who believe that like when we die we'll become angels well that isn't necessarily it's a misinterpretation the reference would be like angels in heaven as in we will not be given to marry or marriage or that kind of thing but it, angels existed at the creation uh, of the worlds now, they were created before that, obviously created beings, but we'll look at that. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Now, that reference to hosts, many believe that's a direct reference to angels that were part of the heavens as well. 
Now, they could refer to the creation as a host also, but all through Scripture, angels are referred to as a host. And so that may be the very, indeed the very first mention of angels. In the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts. Now that heaven of heavens is referring to the very dwelling place of God. And goes on to say, the hosts of heaven worships you. And so these hosts of heaven um, are the ones that are, are there in the presence of God worshiping him. And we'll come to that in a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. We know that the creation and the work of creation is attributed to the triune God. We find that in the beginning it says God created the heaven and the earth, right? That's a reference to God the Father. And then it says the Spirit of God moved on the deep, right? And that's the, the Holy Spirit. We come to the New Testament in verses like this that say specifically the Son or Jesus Christ created all things. In the book of Colossians, it says this in reference to Jesus. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible. That would include angels. And he is not an angel, by the way. Jesus is not an angel. There are, that is Gnosticism that crept into the, as a heresy in the first century. Um, and there are people today that call themselves Christians that believe Jesus is none other than Michael the archangel. And that's the, the Watchtower Society, the Jehovah's Witnesses that come. And they, if you corner them on that, that's what they, they will say. Yes, he's an angel. He was the first created being of God. Um, and, but not God the Son. And that is not, not at all true with what the Bible reveals. He's different. He's better. Um, he was there when they were created and when it says here, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Anyways, all things were created through him and for him. In, um, they, they also report, this is number three on the list. Number one was the facts about 273 times in 34 biblical books of so angels are mentioned. Number two, they were all created by God. Number three, they report directly to God. Um, they don't report to men and women. Uh, they don't come to me and report to me for their daily activities. They report to God. And there is some revelation in the book of Job that indicates that even Satan himself in his fallen state still is confined to the permission of God. Uh, and I'm not going to try to explain why God allows Satan to work his work of evil uh, in this present age, um, but he does allow him to work his evil some ways. And I, I do believe there are many maybe explanations for that, but ultimately God is God and the judge of all the earth shall do right. And Satan himself has to present himself to God before he can do anything. In verse 6 of Job chapter 1, now there was a day when the sons of God, that's a reference to angels, sometimes that can be a reference to people, but here it's a reference to angels came to present themselves before the lord and satan also came among them so we have here angelic beings presenting themselves to the lord um, doesn't give us much more detail than that 
We find in chapter 2, verse 1 of Job, and again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And it's in that presentation where God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And he looses, and Satan accuses the Lord of not allowing him to uh, harm Job or anything that he has, because God had put a hedge about him, and God looses that protection for a, a brief time, and of course Job is stripped away of so much. And I often think if God was to will in our lives to strip away his protection, his sovereignty in our lives, all of that, we would be just destroyed. Because Satan is that kind. He's a thief, a murderer, a destroyer, an accuser. He's all those things, and he's attempting to do that. And God and his plan had a greater purpose for Job. And we, well, we go through the book of Job, and I'll tell you, God is, is the one who's still on the throne, and he's the one that um, can even use the evil acts of Satan or anybody else to bring about his good. Only God can do that. Job chapter 38, verse 1.4, they were present at the creation of the world. Angels were present at the creation of the world. Um, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by his words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And he says this, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So there appears just from that last verse, verse 7, at the creation of God, that the hosts of heaven were there with him and they sang and they praised. It says the sons of God shouted for joy. The morning stars sang together. That could indeed be a reference also to angels. Um, and it could be a direct reference to stars being created. I, I, I'm not sure, but just uh, don't read too much into it. Um, but the sons of God do refer to angelic beings that were there. And they shouted for joy. And I, I like that. Um, so you might ask, well, when were they created? And the short answer is we don't know exactly when they were created or how uh, long before creation you know, unfolds in the Genesis account. I mean, other than to say this, they are not eternal. And I would dare say after Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God begins to create, angels were created and they were created early on in that whole process. Because when the rest of it comes into being, they're shouting for joy in that. Uh, Luke, uh, they announced Jesus' birth. Okay, that's the next point. And really, anytime you see a big announcement, revelation from God, often there are angels present or angels involved in that. But at the birth of Christ, in Luke chapter 2, we sang about that tonight, says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And again, you have the angels bearing record of the birth of Messiah. Uh, And you have that same activity present at the return of Christ in his second coming. And so again, the hosts of heaven involved in that. Um, They do not marry. In other words, they do not get married. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, and he's referenced to them asking, you know, uh, about, about the woman who had multiple you know, why, uh, husbands and whose will she be in the resurrection and all that. And he goes on to say, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. And that's the closest reference you'll find in Scripture that people construe that we will be like angels or will become angels in heaven. And that's not what it says at all, does it? It says, but are like angels of God in heaven. And you go back to the context, he's referring to marriage and giving in marriage. Down here, our earthly relationships and those bonds like matrimony, uh, which really represent the union of Christ and his church spiritually, uh, that one flesh union of a husband and wife, you know, really show us the the eternal love of Christ with his church in that and the intimacy in the spiritual nature. But in heaven, marriage as we know it down here, it won't be like that. And that's why it's till death do us part, right? Um, And there are others that believe you will be married for eternity, uh, primarily the Mormon church. And they will believe, they believe that um, actually women will not even enter into the heavenly state, which is a whole other topic, uh, without the permission of their husband. So you see why marriage is so important in the uh, Latter-day Saint church in that. But you won't find that in the Bible. And instead, there is a, a state of being where we will most likely know, if, like I expect if, when I get to heaven and if I get there before my wife or whatever, when she arrives, uh, I'll know that she was my wife, but we will not have that same relationship that we have here in that way. And although um, in the, this form now, I, I think about that and I think, wow, I would not like to have that, that broken, but yet it isn't. It's, we are in Christ for eternity and we're together in a union with him and we'll be closer than we ever were in many ways <clears throat> we know um, they do not marry they, they were created to live forever and some verses like this one Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 the four living creatures those are angels each having six wings were full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying holy 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 Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And this idea that they forever will be uh, proclaiming the holiness of the triune God. And that is very much in keeping with the creatures, these angelic beings, the seraphim of Isaiah chapter 6. Very similar description. Um, And and some more there. But anyways, uh, they were created to live forever. And their purpose is to glorify God. That's point seven and point eight. And that's that same verse there. What are they doing? They're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Their purpose was to worship him and to praise him. And by the way, we also, 
that was our purpose, created differently. Um, we were made in many regard lower than the angels, obviously confined to time and space here um, before the fall of sin in a, in a different world, for sure. And then after uh, the fall of sin and a cursed world and that sin nature residing in us, angels do not have that nature in uh, in other words there are fallen angels and from what scripture reveals there can never be other fallen angels it's a one-time event that took place and there is no chance of redemption for them either Um, and there are good angels that did not choose to to sin against god but the nature of their sin and rebellion we'll come to that when we talk about satan a little bit um, is very similar to what man did prior to what man did uh, in that we wanted to be like God and that is probably really it's the sin of pride and we want to be something that we're not and we want to worship something that we cannot or that cannot save us and Satan is like that he wanted worship ascribed that should have been ascribed only God they were created to live forever. Their purpose is to glorify God. Number nine, some angels help human beings. And we often talk about guardian angels, and that term comes out of um, sort of the topic here of angels and the theology behind that. And this verse here would be the closest verse I have to indicate that angels are ministering spirits and they're sent to those who are the heirs of salvation. It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. And those angels and the, the, those who inherit salvation is reference to people who are saved, who are redeemed. We are heirs of salvation. And angels are sent to minister to us. Have you ever wondered what they do? Is it indeed that they do protect us at times from maybe from sin? Sometimes making bad decisions or having something just stop you know some evil act that's coming we we don't know because much of this interaction with angels is in a part of our well we don't see it um nevertheless we may indeed see the results of it and maybe not even recognizing it we know that uh what the writer here says that some entertain angels even unaware um maybe a reference to Abraham when you remember in Genesis chapter 18 three men appeared to him in the heat of the day Uh, two of them I believe are angels one is the Lord himself they appear as men and initially they didn't look any different than any other ordinary person but it was revealed later who they were Um, and it is indeed possible that we've entertained angels unawares um, in that way Uh, however they indeed do have a ministry to believers. <clears throat> and there's lots of anecdotes that go with that. That Some of it you can't argue with someone's experience necessarily, but I have had um, numerous occasions where I've read or, or even heard of, like especially missionaries who um, have had you know, things they didn't see at the time, but others around them did. Um, had one missionary account that I read where uh, there were uh, these host- these men that were going to kill them and came down into their, basically their village, surrounded their house or began to and were getting ready to 
move in and, and kill the missionaries that were there. And they were scared away by what they thought were armed guards all around the hut that was there. And only later did they find out that, that that's what those men saw. Uh, and yet the missionary said, we've never had such a thing. We never did. You know, I can't argue with that. I don't know. Uh, but I just say, is, is it possible God could use angels to protect? And sometimes he draws back the veil a little bit. So maybe sinful man says, wow, I'm not going there. Um, I don't know. I just say God is God and, and he does mighty things. And there's lots of things like that. Uh, where was I here? Mark chapter 5. Some angels, the fallen angels, harm human beings. So if there's demons that interact with human beings, well, certainly good angels can too. That's one way to look at it. In Mark chapter 5, we have this account. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and they, the chains had been pulled apart by him. For the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Um, a lot could be said here. It's not part of our study tonight, but demonic beings, which... Apparently in this text, um, we're inhabiting this poor soul, this poor man. Uh, and, and there's some things we know about them. These angelic beings, fallen in nature, in their, in their fallen state, I'd say, away from God. Um, they had superhuman strength, right? Supernatural strength. They couldn't bind this guy with chains. And... They also, you find out he is just tormented day and night. He's living in a graveyard and he's cutting himself. Self-harm, that's something that's very common. I think you see that Satan and his minions devise to harm you know, us and sometimes uh, that influence allows ourselves to do it. And he's the author of that in many ways. Ah. Uh, they are spirit beings. That's the other thing. What I mean by that is that they indeed may come and appear to take on flesh. Um, I'm not sure exactly the extent of that. I don't think it's only an appearance necessarily. But they most often are what we'd call in a non-material body uh, as it is described in Scripture. For instance, Psalm 104, verse 4 says, Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. Uh, and that is further echoed in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. That very verse is quoted in reference to angels. And in verse 14 of Hebrews, that we just read that, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And uh, again, we find they are ministering spirits spirit beings they are invisible and i do believe from scripture they can become visible at times we have several visions that are recorded where angelic beings are are described we'll look at some of those Uh, we know of the account with genesis 18 and 
I believe in Genesis 19, the two angels that are sent to Sodom and Gomorrah to bring judgment or part of that judgment of God were the two men that were with the Lord himself on the plains of Mamre in Abraham's, you know, in the heat of the day, sitting in his tent, eating um, in that. But generally, they are invisible, and they're counted among the realms of what we, in this part, would say are invisible. I cannot look and see angels. Um, I do believe someday with different eyes I will, and I will see angels in heaven. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18... In this, it just talks about, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And then it says in verse 21, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. And you have after that the whole list of of really um, the going away from God. further we get from God, the worse it gets in sin. Our foolish hearts become darkened. But in heaven, or even from the creation on, his attributes are clearly seen by the things that were created by him, including angels. Somewhere along the line, angels, some, chose to rebel, and they had the perfect revelation of God, like man had the perfect revelation of God. And Satan, Lucifer, in sometime, again, in, in the past, after creation, after they were created, he, he chose to rebel against God. And when he did so, um, again, we we find that he did the same path that we eventually would choose, or we chose the same path he did, uh, in that he wanted to be like God. When Adam and Eve came and Satan told them, well, when the day you eat thereof, you'll be as God's, knowing good and evil, they did the same thing. They said, I want to be like God. And that just fall i guess you would say because it was just in the sense that god cast out lucifer from his presence he had to cast out man also from his presence because god will not tolerate sin in his presence because he is holy and sinners are not invisible um see here i got another reference somewhere colossians chapter 2 verse 18 Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Interestingly, you know, in us, and again, one of the commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, right? And idolatry, which is placing something ahead of God and worshiping that thing, people want to do that with angels, or dead saints, or whatever else, right? It's in us, in our sinful nature, to worship something other than God. And again, these invisible creatures, people turn around and say, oh, but I want to worship them. Revelation 19.10. And again, it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. This is John. He's saying that. He falls at the feet of an angel. 
But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. In other words, the, he's part of that creation like John as well. And he says, Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then 22, Revelation 22, 8 and 9. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. There is always this you know this this thing we have to push aside in our own hearts that wants to worship other than god and i can just see john who you know john's a prophet john's he's he's in the spirit on the lord's day when he receives the revelation of god and yet when he's confronted with an angelic being he wants to worship <laughs> and i'm so glad the angel says no <laughs> don't do that worship god worship god i think in our sinful nature it's possible that we can be deceived so quickly into worshiping lesser things. <clears throat> they are innumerable. We sang the song tonight, 10,000 angels, right? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2 says this, And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. And he came with ten thousands of saints. The word saints there is holy ones. And it is a reference to angels. From his right hand came a fiery law for them. And then in Psalm 68, 17, it uh, refers to this. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. And in the Hebrew wording it it means innumerable you couldn't lay out more than thousands of thousands it's just sort of like saying we might say something billions and billions you know meaning an innumerable amount the lord is among them as in sinai in the holy place in daniel chapter 7 i watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheel a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Again, Daniel, as he receives this vision, can't put a number necessarily to him. It's just innumerable gathering around him. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, Jesus said this, Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? He could have called ten thousand angels. Really, that's what the song we were singing about, where that comes from. Um, Jesus could have called angels down, and we know that angels are very powerful. Um, They... I believe really just one angel would have been enough to put down everything that was going up against Christ that day. But he willingly put himself in the hands of angry sinners for me and for you 
so that he might pay our price for sin. And he could have called thousands of angels down. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Wow. You might ask, how many angels are there out there? I just tell you that verse right there tells you they're innumerable. Revelation chapter 5 verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. It just gets more, you know, hard to describe as John sees it. Lots of stuff there. They possess intelligence. That's number 14. Daniel chapter 9 verse 21. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, it's an angel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. This intelligent being, angelic being, Gabriel is his name, comes to give wisdom to Daniel. And again, the Bible describes him as such. Again, in Daniel chapter 10, Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. And I would just say that it is most likely angels are far more intelligent than we are, at least in this current state that we are in, um, and probably possess vast amounts of knowledge about God and the creation and everything else that we don't even begin to understand yet. Maybe someday in heaven uh, it'll be different, right? Revelation 19.10 and this says this and I fell at his feet to worship him but he said see that you not do that we already read that but it says for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy down there at the end Um, again the angel was giving knowledge to John in this vision um, that he receives and he he fills in on the prophecy and the time of God in that Again, in uh, Revelation 22, 8 and 9, we read that already. Uh, Same thing. He gives wisdom to John. They display joy. Or excuse me, verse 15, uh, or point 15, they possess a will. They possess a will. Um, And I believe man also has a will. God created angels and he also created mankind with the ability to choose. That's very important, and the scripture does point that out. In Isaiah chapter 14, we read of the fall of Lucifer. We don't know exactly when this took place. I just say it happened after God began to create. Um, But it it happened somewhere in the past, and before Genesis chapter 3. And this is what the scripture reveals. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. The word Lucifer means one who is illuminated or light. It has the idea of brightness. Son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will be like the most high 
Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. That's hell. Um, you have those references, I will, I will, I will, I will. Only a being with volition or a will can make that statement. I will. And by the way, we do the same thing. God created us with the ability to choose. Uh, in our sin, we choose away from him, always. We go away. We are depraved that way. But as he comes and reveals himself to us and convicts us of our sin and gives us the word of God, when it comes a time, we have to say, yes, Lord, or we reject him. No, Lord. He will not force you to be saved. And it's a very scary thing because the same place that was prepared for angels that fell is also prepared for people who will not be saved. And it is a right place for those that reject God. They possess will. Jude chapter 6. And the angels... Or Jude, verse 6, excuse me. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And though that verse doesn't specifically say they had a will, it's implied, right? They left their first domain. uh, And they left that, their proper place. And that is an idea, understanding that they did it on, on purpose. They display joy. And we read this already, Job 38, 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And they expressed joy. Uh, Sometimes we think only we as people can have joy. But do you think there's other elements of God's creation that we cannot see that also express joy? Absolutely. It's going to be pretty exciting someday when you have a whole host and and the, the, the people of the redeemed, right, gathered around the throne of God, innumerable, and he, then we're going to be joyful together. Wow. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, right? Again, a picture of joy there. They displayed desire. Desire. First Peter 1.12 To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering of the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. A lot could be said about that verse, right? Um, we don't know why angels desire to look into the things of the gospel other than to say uh, I'm, I'm using some sanctified imagination with that in that maybe they wonder why you know why would the lord save such weak beings as people why has he had such a particular you know interest in us why is it that the eternal son of god would put on flesh and become a man being made lower than the angels. If you were an angel in heaven and you didn't have that, remember, these are good angels. They don't have a sinful nature. They don't see things that way. It's more or less, I would call, an innocent mindset that way. Not naive, but innocent. And, and they, would, they would wonder, how is it that God would humble himself that far? 
I want to know about that. I want to know about that. Now, we know there's joy associated with the redeemed, and so they must understand that part. I, I don't know. I'm just using that as a way of thinking. What do they desire to look into? The gospel, you know? And if angels desire to look into it, I think we should too, you know? Number 18, they are stronger than men. Psalm 103, verse 20, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. And again, 1 Thessalonians 1, 7, His mighty angels referred to there. 2 Peter 2, 11, Whereas angels who are greater in power and might... Here they are, it says, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Even angels are careful to not go and rebuke evil and and also referring to apostates and others. They know their lane. (laughs) They stay in that. God is the one who is ultimately the one who needs to do that. And again, I could uh, talk more. They, They are swifter. They are more intelligent than men. We already talked about they possess intelligence so i won't go back to those verses um they are swifter than men that's point 20 again in daniel nine twenty one, it says in the middle of that it says being caused to fly swiftly the idea is that that angels are able to go quickly to parts of our our realm in revelation fourteen six, it says this then i saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. I cannot do that. I'm confined to this flesh and this place, and I need to get in, you know, either walk somewhere or ride somewhere or fly somewhere on this earth. And, and though I can go a lot faster than we did 100 years ago, I can't be everywhere and preach the gospel to everybody. But someday there will be an angel that will herald the gospel. To every nation, tongue, or tribe, tongue, and people. Think about that. That's fast. However, they are not omnipresent. They can only be in one place at one time. We again know that from Daniel chapter 10. Um, where he, this angel is, is delayed. Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And yet, you have three weeks in between. So, again, there was a hindrance that had gone on, but they cannot be everywhere present like God is. God is everywhere present. They are not omnipotent. Daniel 10.13 But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Most likely, the reference to kings of Persia are demons, or a demon, uh, who had the realm of control. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it says, principalities and powers. And the word principalities carries with it an idea of a domain or a territory. And I believe Satan and his demons have domain. And the prince of Persia withstood Gabriel, withstood him. Michael had to come and help him. And we, we learn about that in the book of Daniel. 
But they're not omnipotent or all-powerful. Again, Jude chapter 9. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, who was a very powerful angel, could not withstand Satan. Instead says, The Lord rebuke you. Who's the one who's powerful? God. Better move on. I've just got a few more points here. They are not omniscient. That's Matthew 24, verse 36. But of the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. When Jesus was here on earth, and he's referring to the unfolding of of really his coming, his second coming, and how that was going to be, from that position on earth, even the Son, who had given over the use of his perfections to the will of the Father, he gave over the use of his omniscience as well. And he says, not even myself or, or the angels know. Now, I would say today Jesus knows as he's the, resur- as the ascended he- in heaven and he knows the time frame of that. But in that state in which he was in uh, here on earth before his ascension, he could say that that way and throws in that fact that angels don't even know. And yet you have preachers that think they know, right? Somebody eats too much pizza and drinks too much Coke before he goes to bed and he comes up with all kinds of new revelation when Jesus is returning. And there's a whole list of people like that. Oh, I know when Jesus is returning and often, well, they always get it wrong. There's those that keep kicking it down the road saying, well, it's not that, it's future yet. Well, I just say the angels themselves don't even know. All right, move on. Some are cherubim. They're described as that. And I won't read that, but Ezekiel chapter 1. Look at that. And it talks about these this fiery creatures and the, the amazing sight that Ezekiel sees and what it's like and the colors and all the things associated with this angelic these angelic beings. Um, Ezekiel chapter 1 verses 1 to 28 and then Ezekiel 10 also. Um, and in Ezekiel 10 um, is a reference there to cherubim. And then there are seraphim, they are mentioned. That is in um, Isaiah chapter 6. Very much described, very similar to the ones that are described in the book of Revelation. And we see them closely associated with the glory of God. Isaiah goes into the temple, and there while he's in the temple, um, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And in verse 2, it says, Above it stood seraphim, plural, for seraphs. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Six winged creatures. Those are identified in uh, Revelation. And it says, One cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You picture two winged beings and what are they saying to one another holy 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 they're closely associated with the holiness of god and then the majority remain true to god that's point 26 that's revelation 5 11 then i looked and i heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 
And we know that there is a myriad, uh, innumerable company, host of angels that will be there in heaven and, uh, again, worshiping God. We know about a third, or that's what we get from Revelation chapter 12, about a third of the angels of heaven fell with Lucifer. And we get that from here where... um, It says, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, that's picture metaphorically here of Israel, right? She cried out in labor and pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. You have a picture really of Satan here. And it says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And um, the common interpretation of that is a reference to the fall of Satan. And he drew a third of the angels in heaven with him in that. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then this woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, and they should feed her there 1,260 days. And it goes on to talk about the dragon and the angels and that fought and all of that. Um, But we know that the majority of angels remain true to God. And then lastly... They will join all believers in the heavenly Jerusalem. And we read that in uh, chapter 12 of Hebrews. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. That's, That's believers. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And uh, we'll be in heaven someday with that innumerable company of angels. Uh, I I tell you what, I I look forward with anticipation to seeing with these eyes what God has prepared for us, right? And who's there with us. Lord, we are grateful for your word. And as we...